let's open our Bible and we'll read Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 17. Here are the words of God. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory, and wisdom and thanks and honor, and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robe, who are they, and where did they come from? I answer, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any crouching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to spring of, water, of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. special for us to be back with you again. Um, I think the last time we were here was in 2021, 20, I think, right in the middle of COVID. And I remember standing here and looking out at about a dozen faces because um, we weren't able to gather together at that stage. So to be able to be here, all of us, face to face, to gather together in worship and sing together to our God is really special. I want to take a little bit of time this morning looking ahead, looking forward to that promise of salvation, that promise of eternity with God, and what our worship might look like then. I want to look again at the text. We've just read the text. Um, I won't read through, it's quite small. Um, I won't read through the whole thing again, but I do want to reread just those opening verses. While I'm reading this again, just try and picture it. Try and get an image in your mind of what this, um, uh, what this passage is describing. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, 
people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What an amazing picture. So I used to play in a blues band. I was a saxophonist. The problem is that I'm a rubbish musician. Being able to play an instrument and being a musician, I learned, are two very, very different things. I played in a band that had church worship leaders as the guitarists and some of the musicians. We had a a professional cabaret pianist. The drummer played in a band professionally. The two trumpeters used to play professionally also, and I I was just there. We'd turn up at a practice and they'd say, okay, everybody, let's warm up. C major, G major, E minor 7, let's go. And they'd start playing music, amazing music. I'd be looking at them with my mouth open going, what, what? I don't have the music for this. I haven't practiced this piece. Um, Had it been my wife or any of my kids, they would have jumped in because they're real musicians. The pianist in our band was a guy by the name of Michael Bunyan, and he was an amazing musician. And quite frankly, he could have handled the whole performance on his own. He could really make that piano sing. Um, He had 88 keys to play with, and he used every one of them at the right time to make incredible music. Now, I want you to imagine with me for a moment that his piano was missing some of the keys. Say about 40% of those keys are missing. And imagine that not only are the keys missing, but the sounds behind those keys didn't didn't even exist. The songs wouldn't just be incomplete, they would be impossible. I don't think any of the songs that we sang this morning could have been sung in this church service if those notes did not exist. This is the picture that I wanted to give you this morning. I trust that we love that passage from Revelation the picture of the song of heaven. But we do realise, don't we, that right now, to the best of our knowledge, that that song cannot yet be sung because over 40% of the world's population, specifically over 40% of the world's people groups, can't sing it. They're like those missing notes on a keyboard. 40% of the people groups in the world cannot sing of God's salvation. Why? Because they haven't even heard about God's salvation. No one has told them. And it's not that they have heard about the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world and rejected him. Nobody has even told them the truth about him. The question I want to ask today is, so how much does that bother us? Because quite frankly, speaking for Aussies on the whole, it it doesn't seem to bother us very much at all. Churches in Australia spend millions and millions of dollars on buildings and equipment for middle to upper class Australians to worship in one language, while we give relative pennies to translate the word of God into the thousands of languages that 
gentleman habit. Now, I know that Grace Church is an exception to the rule in that you've got two or three languages that you're preaching here. We spend innumerable hours planning and practicing and perfecting the mechanics of a worship service. Yet we spend relative minutes on how we're going to help the thousands of people who cannot gather for a worship service because they don't know the Saviour who is worthy of worship. Isn't something off when we figured out how to turn worship music into a multi-million dollar industry for us Australians? But for 3.2 billion people, we've not figured out how to get the gospel to them. Isn't something off when we endlessly discuss, debate, and even divide over worship in the church while 3 billion people plunge into an eternal hell who haven't ever heard about the way to heaven? Maybe another way to put the question that we need to answer is, how much do we really want that song of heaven to be sung? sound of all nations to be heard. What are we willing to do? How much are we willing to transform our lives, our families, our churches, our worship, so that that song of heaven can actually be sung? David Platt is an American preacher who influenced me heavily while I was preparing this sermon. If you're looking for some really good teaching online, look him up. We highly recommend him. Um, when he preached from Revelation 7, he had a go at summarising that whole passage into one sentence. And this is what he came up with. God is declaring to us that the song of heaven will include voices from every nation, tribe, people and language, praising God for his final salvation from sin, complete shelter from suffering and everlasting satisfaction of our souls. That's a pretty good summary. And what an amazing truth. Just imagine the scene. A multitude that no one can count. This is not stadium, stadium Australia full of people for a, gathered for a football game, 80, 90, 100,000 strong. This is a great multitude that no one can measure. From every nation. Now, every nation, it doesn't mean countries or geopolitical like we might think of in the United Nations today, 200 or so countries. This is every ethne, every ethnic group in the world. And then he goes on and to elaborate on terms just to make sure that we don't miss the point. All the tribes, all the peoples, all the languages. The Joshua Project tells us that there are over 17,000 distinct people groups in the world, over 7,000 distinct languages in the can you imagine every single one of them singing with one loud voice? What does that sound like? The Tukalor of West Africa, the Tarajanese of Indonesia, the Chechens of the North Caucasus, the Hutus and the Tutsis, the North Koreans and the South Koreans, the Hulk of Mongolia and the Tuvans of Siberia, the Han and the Uyghur, the Russians and the Ukrainians, the Israelis and the Palestinians, all joining together in one voice. And what will be our song selection? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We will all praise God for his final salvation from sin. Notice we're wearing white choir robes for this one. And check out the imagery. 
have been washed in blood, in the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God who has taken away our sins. How do you wash a robe in blood? And it comes out white. It's the miracle of all miracles. Our sins totally wiped away. And we're holding palm branches, a picture of victory over sin and death. Praising God for final salvation from sin and complete shelter from suffering. Verse 14 tells us that tribulation will be a thing of the past. Verse 15, he who sits on the throne will shelter us with his presence. This, is a, this theme is, is a resounding theme right through Revelation. We will be with him. The wait for us feels long. The days may be hard, but we have a Father in heaven who will bring us home soon. One day soon, we are going to be with him. He with us. Revelation 21 tells us that we will see his face and he will shelter us once and for all from all suffering. The sun shall not strike us or any scorching heat. No more sickness, no more disease, no more car accidents, no more cancer diagnoses. No more anxiety, no more depression, no more conflict, no more war, no more pain, no more death. We will be face to face with God himself and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Final salvation from sin, complete shelter from suffering and everlasting satisfaction for our souls. No more hunger, no more thirst. Jesus, our shepherd, will guide us to springs of living water and our souls will never, ever tire of tasting more and more and more of his beauty and his grandeur and his glory. Just picture it. God is infinite in all of his attributes, which means a million years from now, there will still be more beauty, more love, more grandeur, more mercy to be discovered and to be enjoyed in our God. And this is not a maybe. This is a guarantee. This is the word of God. God is declaring to us in his word, the song of heaven will include voices from every nation, tribe, people and language. Praising God for final salvation from sin, total shelter from suffering and everlasting satisfaction of our souls. Which leads, us to two leads me to two observations in this word. In light of this song of heaven to, to come in heaven, the first observation is this. Over 3.2 billion people in over 7,000 people groups cannot join this song today because no one has told them about God's salvation. They are unreached by the gospel. Just put this map up on the screen. I, I hope it's a map that you're familiar with. Straight off the Joshua Project website if you want to go and find it. The green on the map here represents areas where the gospel has gone. Churches have been planted, people have been reached with the gospel. Obviously, it does not mean that everybody in the green are followers of Jesus. Far from it. But it does mean everybody in the green has access to the gospel. The yellow areas on the map represent regions that are less reached for the gospel. This may be in one of two different directions. Either the gospel has recently come to those places and is still growing and still small in its influence. Or some of those places in the yellow may have had the gospel for a long time, but it has waned in its influence in such a way that people have less access to the gospel now. 
And then there's the red areas on the map. These are classified as unreached. That's where people don't have access to the gospel. It, it doesn't just mean lost. People are just as lost here in Sydney as they are in Mongolia or in Somalia. The difference is there are a few churches here in Sydney. There is access to the gospel here in Sydney. There are hardly any churches and hardly any Christians who know the gospel in Morocco, in Kyrgyzstan, in Mongolia. And you might be thinking, look, I don't know why we talk about unreached people around the world. I mean, there's unreached people in my office. There's unreached people in my neighbourhood. Again, I'm repeating the words of David Platt here. Those people are not unreached because you're in their office. You're in their neighbourhood. They have access to the gospel. You're it. And you might think, yeah, but I live in a green area. It doesn't seem like there's much impact from the gospel. But just imagine what it's like in a room where the gospel is not. Practically, people in the red are born and live and die and the likelihood is they will never hear the good news of Jesus. And they number about 3.2 billion. To paraphrase Romans 10.14, how then can they sing to the one in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? So to go back to our illustration of the piano, picture people picture people groups like notes on that heavenly keyboard. Each note a people group, uniquely designed to sound its distinct tone of worship to God. And one day, every note will join in a cosmic symphony of praise, giving God all the glory that is due to his name. Yet at present, there's approximately 7,000 notes on rich people groups that are making no sound of worship to God. Surely we're not content with that. Surely we want this to change. Brothers and sisters, it can change. This brings me to my second observation. God has given you and me today more opportunities to spread his salvation to all peoples of the world than ever before in history. Do you realise that? Think about the world that God has placed us in. The church in the first century could have only dreamt of the opportunities that we have to reach the nations. It took Paul months to sail from one city to the next. He could never have fathomed a machine that could pick you up and fly you through the air to anywhere in the world in a day. It took him months to have a letter written, sealed, delivered somewhere else, and months to get communication back. And you and I can communicate with anyone in the world in real time, in multiple languages a device in our pocket. Travel, technology, globalisation, urbanisation, we have more opportunities to spread the gospel in the world than ever before in history. On top of the fact that we are some of the wealthiest people to have ever walked the planet. With a wealth of opportunities. Nurses, doctors, teachers, engineers, entrepreneurs, business leaders, business specialists who have opportunity to work around the world. Students, able to spend a summer, semesters maybe, a year, a year of your life spreading the gospel amongst unreached people while you're studying. Opportunities to get degrees which will open doors to unreached people around the world. Retirees, what, what opportunities are there for you to use the time that you now have? In light of the song of heaven, 
in light of the state of the world today, let us pray and give and go and send and sing like we are living and dying to experience Revelation 7, 9 through 17. Let's pray for this. Can I ask you, how prevalent are the unreached people groups of the world in your prayer life? In your family's prayer life? In your church, how often do you pray for the spread of the gospel amongst all the peoples of the world? Among a specific people group in the world, in your worship service? Certainly this should be a staple in our worship services if we actually want the song of heaven to be sung. And let's give. Where our treasure, there our hearts will be. Where our treasure is, there our hearts will be. Let's, let's put our treasure where God's heart is. From our lives, our families, our churches, our budgets, let's put our treasure in the spread of Jesus' worship where Jesus is not known. And let us go and send as the Spirit leads. God calls us to send. Think about, think about Acts 13. I won't read it, but it's there. The church are worshipping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit sets Barnabas and Saul aside, and the church sends them out. Worship in the church produces missionaries for the world, which begs the question, if we're not sending missionaries out from our churches, are we truly worshipping in our churches? Let's pray, let's give, let's go, let's send, let's sing. It's worth our lives to hear the song of heaven sung. So as I close, I want to ask each of you, are you willing to, are you brave enough to get down on your knees and pray, Lord, are you calling me to go to the rear? Just ask, God, are you calling me to go? And second, while you're on your knees, I'd ask you to pray, please send out multitudes to go. This is what Jesus commanded us to pray. In Matthew 9, he said, The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. That's Jesus' instructions to us. So I'm reminding you to do what he has told us to do. To ask him to send out more labourers. And specifically, to ask him to send out labourers from your church. And to use your ministry in this church to that end. Father, we get a glimpse of your glory and your majesty and your greatness through this passage in Revelation 7. And we cannot begin to imagine what the combined voices of an uncountable multitude of people from every nation, tribe, people and language worshipping you will be like. But we yearn for that day, to be in your presence, for your final salvation from sin, total shelter from suffering and everlasting satisfaction of our souls. Father, give us a breath.